is the Three Preachers Podcast, featuring three preachers talking about life, church, and of course, the Word of God. And now, welcome to the Three Preachers Podcast. I said a hip hop, the hip it, the hip it, the hip hip hop, you don't stop the rock and do the bang bang boogie, say up, jump the boogie, do the rhythm of the boogie. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, everybody of all ages, welcome to the Three Preachers Podcast. I think we should be low-key on this one. I'm just kind of feeling yeah, kind of like a soft-spoken, like NPR kind of... Hey, this is Three Preachers Podcast. The Three Preachers Podcast. I am David McLean, joined by Devin Morris. Or it could be that I introduce it, and that way we can be like, hey, I'm Devin, I'm standing in for David. Oh, yes. Oh, Chris, wait. In for Devin. We could, we and could we just all switch seats. So we, we can just say it's Ascot Thursday. <laughs> oh, wow. We're all wearing right. Ascots today. Is, is that an NPR thing? Is that what they're wearing NPR? I would think they would wear Ascots and have a, like a pot. Oh, a pot? Uh, they probably don't drink coffee. It's probably hot. Welcome to fresh air. Hot tea. Hot fresh air. <laughs> <laughs> It's got to be like some <laughs> NPR. It's Ascot Thursday. NPR. I thought it was Ascot Thursday. So we gotta it's go Thursday. Oh, there we go. Goodness gracious. My deadly COVID shot in my pipe. <laughs> oh, bless. Oh, no. Oh, no. Well, the following podcast was pre-recorded because of scheduling conflicts of the three preachers. Therefore, we can't say... How was our week? Because we did it. We haven't done we our week yet. Like thirty minutes. Ago. By the time this podcast airs, I'm still sleepy. In case are we recording right now? Yeah, we're recording right okay, now. Sorry, we're recording been. this whole time. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Welcome to Fresh Air with NPR. <laughs> what? By the time, do you want to start a podcast called Fresh Air? What is it? How about Fresh Bread? <laughs> fresh Bread. What? what? Fresh something. Uh, fresh. I just bread. get this picture. Like, what if we were NPR podcasters? That's what we've been. Talking what, about. what would we look like? Honestly, I think we look exactly like we look. I don't know. Oh, man, you guys already kind of look like NPR. But podcasts. when you listen to NPR, like I'm envisioning how they look. I kind of, I kind of envision Chris. I've never listened to NPR. Ever? Listen to NPR? Never listened to it. There's For actually sure. some decent stuff on NPR. It's it not like propaganda. Like if you listen to their actual station, it's it's a lot of just. But if yeah. you're on Google, like some good NPR stuff. Yeah. Sometimes, it, but they're, I watch they're Tiny Desk. Does that count? I don't know what that is. Tiny Desk NPR, where they bring in the bands? NPR. You don't, you don't know what I'm talking about? No. That's the only way I know what NPR is. You just said you don't listen to NPR, but now you're saying you do. Frederica, listen to Frederica Matthews Desk Green was on NPR. She was good. No. Yeah, fine. That's whatever. But Usher went on Tiny Desk NPR, and he did that. Watch this. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> no, I'm going to be I'm talking about something totally different. I'm talking about NPR. I forget like how the radio are. The, the, yeah, like National Public Radio. Yeah, well, they have these. Like, yes, that's what I'm talking very about. Very thoughtful interviews. Yes. Welcome to NPR. Today is, I don't know what day it is. Yeah. Uh, by the time this airs, though, Devin, you will have been on vacation and already come back by yes. vacation. So why don't you tell Rested. us what you what you hope you'll be thinking by the time vacation's over. Devin, um, how was vacation? I was sweet tan. Ooh. I've been playing in the beach and the swimming pool. Wearing your flip flops. Wearing my flippy floppies. Mm. On a boat. Nah, we don't have a boat. I was going to say, wait, what? Um, yeah. Hopefully that's what I'll be thinking. Nice. Yeah, and good. by the time this airs, this is airing on a Thursday. Next Thursday, which would be today if you're listening. I know time travel is very confusing. Mm-hmm. 
it's my baby girl's 15th birthday. Wow. And I'm having a complete meltdown. So just know that I'm somewhere. She's getting her permit. At a lake, bawling my eyes out because I did not think it was going to come as quick as it did. But I won't say anything about how fast it accelerates from here, but it thanks, does. Thanks. Appreciate that encouragement. Maybe the bear of good news. I have a sweet little four-year-old, so... You just wait. You'll Love be mine. I had a sweet. I had a sweet little four year old yesterday, and now she's daggum turning fifteen and getting a permit. So wow, it'll move fast. My oldest, my oldest, gonna be fifteen. I don't even know what to do with it. And now we're starting to look at cars, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa! And I'm not ready for this. Can't afford it. No, no, I'm just looking. I just skateboards was, are a lot less expensive. Mm, bicycles will build some thighs. Mm, so skateboards would give a cool factor. Mm, yeah, but we live down a, a rocky road. A dirt road. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be tough on a skateboard. <laughs> Very tough on a skateboard. That would make her tough. Yeah. <laughs> that would. That would, yes. Well, last week we talked about uh, government and Christians. I think another thing that, uh, I guess another hot topic. Is that what we're going to do? Hot button issue? Hot topic. That might be copyright. Yeah. That's, that's a hot pocket. In the, is the mall That is a hot pocket, hot but there is pocket. a hot topic. Yeah. There, hot you know what a hot topic is? You know the, the hot mall, topic? The hot the topic? No. Is a story is. you never looked at. I know, at a hot pocket. <laughs> yeah. No, that was Spencer's. Spencer's and Oh, I thought hot topic was the same thing for a, for a long period of time. Until I realized that hot topic was just like the, a goth store. Or whatever. Yeah. So I wouldn't look in hot topic. But now either. when hot topic first came out, it's like the Simpsons. When the Simpsons came out. <gasps> yeah. But then Family Guy came out. So Simpsons exactly. was a lot more tame. Yeah. <clears throat> then hot I topic started going into hot topic. I was like, well, this is cool. Huh. Oh, you, you would. Oh, you, man. You, the, all those graphic tees. Did you go through a goth phase? Lived for gothic tees. Yeah, because I was homeschooled. And I don't know if that all homeschoolers do it. Did you have, can I ask alarm. a question? Are you going to let me get through my thought first? No. Ooh. I'm short circuiting. Guys, the three picture podcast, I turned to a counseling <laughs> session. No, the elite, no, elite minister wanna, always does. What I, I want to stop with, with homeschool. Sure. So I'll ask a question. All right. Did you have Japanese throwing stars <laughs> or nunchucks? I'm, I'm struggling to make that connection. Did you have those ninja boots? Did you, you homeschooled your kids, so did you have ninja stars? <laughs> No, I did not. Okay. So we homeschool our kids. I don't do have, you ninja, have stars, ninja stars, but I have throwing axes. Is that close enough? Well, let me say <laughs> yes. American yes, we did. I just want to know. I just want to know why Chris thought. I just want to know why Chris thought. I'm just saying. Like, well, yes. I'm just saying. How do you know? I'm not trying to stereotype, but I've just witnessed some of this. We had katanas. We had uh, nunchucks. We had sides. We took martial arts. We took a Japanese martial arts. <laughs> okay, this is not a good my question for you because for like 45 years. you do martial arts. We had all sorts of weapons. I just think house. like random people. Yeah, my dad was also stuff. group the kind of paranoid where all of those weapons were in different rooms of the house. So if something were to happen, he would quickly access one of those weapons. Oh I ain't kidding. Goodness. That's okay. the that's the household. You, you were not homeschooled. Mark, Mark, you, were, you, you lived in a John Wick store. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I ain't kidding. We knew where all that stuff was. Oh my! He kept God. stuff in the car. Oh, yeah. My stepdad was big in martial arts, but he didn't have all that. Well, he was whatever. I think he was a black belt. Maybe he was right below that, whatever color that is. Depends on the style. I don't see color, so I don't know what the belt is. I understand. Purple. So they're all Red. what color to you? Black. You see any of them. It's all black. all black. All black. <laughs> I only see black. I only see black. <laughs> I think you're blind. Sorry. <laughs> all right, continue uh, your thought. Go. How am I you supposed said, to know? You, you don't said have ADD. I was homeschooled. You can't. You can't say something. Hot topic, goth. <clears throat> he has the host of this here. Graphic tees. You said graphic tees. I guess the I'm point was I like graphic tees. I don't know. It was well. Chris brought up hot pockets, which is something completely different. Now I used to smash some hot pockets, but now I'm like they're disgusting. I don't know. 
They were good back in the day. Man. I I respected them until Jeff, uh, Jim Gaffigan's bit on Hot Hot. Yeah, he kind of destroyed it for everyone. Yeah. He also destroyed hotel towels. Ooh, I don't know that one. We're gonna yeah, don't that don't one. listen to it. Then you'll never okay. use another hotel towel in your life. I don't know. I probably will. I can, I, my standards are pretty low. <laughs> I don't know. After, <laughs> after listening <laughs> yeah, to his routine on <laughs> towels in a hotel and the visual he gives you, you'll never use another. I could probably guess where he's going with it. Yeah, it's, it's pretty true. It's pretty true. Yikes. Well, uh, I don't know how we got to hot pockets and what were we throwing hotel towels? Oh, hot topic, hot button issue, hot topic. There we go. Wow. Ninja shoes. <laughs> None of, none of this is related to socialism and Jesus, but that is what we're going to talk give about me today. Some time. It was so far out of left field. How in the world? How are we going to roll that in? Well, it's too late. He's already revealed what we're talking about, so we can't do a tie-in now. I'm sorry. I'm trying to get back to where we were. You guys dug it's a whatever. hole. You can act like it didn't happen. What would you have done? I need, I need to be listening to the conversation. I was... Instead of being short-circuited. Yeah. Exactly. This is like 23 weeks we've been doing this, and we still haven't learned segues. Well, we should like write out the segue before maybe, we come in. Maybe, maybe that's our bit, is that we're just bad at no, segues. No, no, no. I want to one day. I think we should be known for our segues. Known for our segues. Capitalism has produced a society where we can have stores like Hot Topic. Hot Topic, and you can, can eat you Hot imagine? Pockets. You can eat your hot pockets. Socialism and hot could topic not under capitalism. produce that. <laughs> socialism, <laughs> socialism would make all the stores hot topic, and all and the food, all the hot, food hot, hot, hot pockets. No, hot, hot pockets. pockets. <laughs> You're in a hot pocket. <laughs> capitalism anyway. provides variety. All right, that's not to give to give anyone's hand away. Uh, I don't know what we're doing here. We're just talking about socialism. And we're talking Jesus. about socialism and Jesus. Yeah, can, can you be a Christian? Like, I heard this question asked, can you be a Christian and a socialist at the same time? There we go. And I've heard Jesus was a socialist. I've heard that, The early Christian church was socialist. Yeah. And, you know, don't ignore their points. They've got – there's points for it. There's like, oh, yeah, I could see how you'd make that jump to that jump. Yeah. And I think then you've got to come down to more modern – yeah. Well, talk to me like I'm a (laughs) five-year-old. Easy. <laughs> Typically do. Wow. Yikes. Whoo. <laughs> you walked what, into that. Give oh, me my. what is a definition of socialism? All right. I've got the formal definition if you want me to read it. <laughs> Webster's dictionary. <laughs> socialism. Who <laughs> <laughs> is the homeschool parent? <laughs> socialism held that groups nerds. of people should own and regulate the economy for the benefit of all the members, not just a few. Mm. There it is that uh, I like groups that. of people should own and regulate. Early 19th century socialists were often uh, disturbed by the economic and social changes caused by the Industrial Revolution. So basically, so- uh, socialism was this kind of um, society where I think in socialism you could own property, but there's going to be high regulation that you would have. Um, goods would be distributed equally. Uh, an engineer would make the same as someone selling t-shirts on the beach you know it's all and there's not going to be this competition you know for goods and services and whereas capitalism where you could you know create capital and reinvest and create opportunities for people to accumulate wealth socialism would be kind of a a leveling of the playing field for everyone so socialism would be some for all 
probably. Maybe capitalism would be more of all for some? Is that kind of a... But it's, according, it's according to you talk to. Depends how well being, being a capitalist you are. <laughs> right. Capitalism, I mean, some people would point to this, and there's some, there's some good evidence for this. This is not just like conservative talk, but capitalism has created a lot of wealth for a lot of people. Like capitalism has helped a lot of people that were in poverty come to a, a much higher level of income. I want to think that something like 99% of people in the year 1800 lived on $2 or less a day or something like that. It was something unheard of. And when capitalism came on the scene and became very popular, you know, you had England, you had a mercantile system and it developed into capitalism. But capitalism gave people a lot more opportunity to accumulate and, and create wealth and create companies that hire people. And the, the problem with capitalism is in, in I mean, I'm probably giving this away. I think capitalism is a really a good system. But at the same time, you've got to have some controls at the same time. Um, and Milton Friedman would totally disagree with me. He'd say, hands off, 100%. You know, capitalism runs on its own. The, the economy has no hands from the government. The problem with that is you get things like the Industrial Revolution that brought a lot of people to the cities in the United States and, and other parts of Europe and just deplorable living conditions. There needs to be some sense of some, some checks and balances because people can be, become evil. Um, and so there needs to be the, this idea that there are sinful people involved, too. But capitalism as a system, when it's running properly, a lot of people have opportunities. Whereas socialism, it just levels the playing field. And then communism, it's more like <clears throat> communism is a little bit different now. Marx and Engels, you think of Communist Manifesto back in the what, 19th century. They, they would describe communism as a form of socialism, but communism, communism in its theory is, is a little different. It's actually like a religion, and it's, it's based on class strife, this idea of uh, trying to produce in people envy uh, to get this, this um, where you look at one class of people and you say, well, they're the problem. You know, if you go back and look at the Bolshevik Revolution in Russia, you had uh, a group of people that, that were blamed for everything. And um, you know they they are the problem. They need to be taken out. And uh, did I say something wrong? <laughs> you like looking at me like I'm crazy. David's <laughs> just so immature. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> anyway, just too many seconds. I'll just say. Just took me a second to realize what revolution you were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm talking about the one that happened in Russia. Uh, anyway, can you spell that? <laughs> <laughs> when the when the Tsar's family was taken out by. Uh, by, by Lenin and his followers. Okay, I won't, I won't call him that name again. But <laughs> th there's this class strife that's developed. Like, if we can, like, these people are your problem. And so if, you, if we can have this antagonism between the classes, somehow we can bring about this revolution uh, that will come about. And then eventually we'll have everything held in common, like it's communal, totally. Problem with that, Fulton Sheen was a, a Catholic thinker, and he said, who are going to be the angels that's going to make this happen? He said, to, to make communism happen, you would have to have a very authoritative, totalitarian government to make that happen. And that's exactly what happens. When you look at Marx and Engels' theory actually put into practice, I mean, the best thing is just look at the example. Empirically, look at what you get. You get North Korea. You get the Soviet Union. You get China. You get Vietnam. I mean, you get hell holes, literally, is what you get. It's not a, it's not a good system. Um, and I would say I'll, I would say fundamental assumptions. If we said, okay, why, why would people say, let's go back to that argument. Why would people say 
that Jesus and the early church had leanings that would be socialists. Why, why do you think people say that? Well, because they loved everybody. Everybody was equal in the beginning of the book of Acts, chapter 2, 4, 6, and 8. I think it's every other chapter for a couple chapters. You get, you know, the early Christians were living together and sharing with one another, and no one had a need. And so that sounds very almost utopian. And so you hear then about this theory of socialism. You feel like that could fit what that is. Yeah. Plus, they're working on, okay, they see evils in our current society under capitalism. And so it's, you know, you can can draw lines saying, hey, capitalism's the issue here. This is why you've got these corporations and whoever else making enormous sums of money, which just allows them to make more money. So you get this division right people it's a good point i think there's some fundamental assumptions that people forget like when they come in they attack capitalism and they and what what was happening in the ancient world was not really capitalism but there were markets where you could go and buy and sell your excess goods to to make a little bit more to survive Mm -hmm. not much different than feudal europe you know capitalism later is where you could coagulate capital and you could invest and you could create opportunities that would be more than just survival you know more than just extra me make a little bit for my family but actually accumulate wealth that was a a radically new way of looking at the world but when you look at the ancient world and you look at the assumptions let's look at the biblical assumptions two things that that rule out socialism number one and capitalism and it would be the ten commandments so you look at the ten commandments we see number one thou shalt not steal well, that assumes you can own property. You can't steal something from somebody if they can't have personal property. So God knows, okay, you're going to have property. It's, it's built into the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not covet. Communism is built upon coveting what other people have. It's built upon this class struggle. And that, that's built right on covetousness, which is a sin. So that tells you right there. And, and plus, communism is godless, atheistic. So that, that's a problem, too. But this idea that you can own property and to covet is bad tells you right now, okay, well, it'd be kind of hard for a Christian to roll with communism. The other part is when you get to the New Testament and you see them sharing all things. So in Acts, they go and sell their items and they give to all those who are in need. It's not under compulsion. They want to do it. This is something that's within the church. They're not being, you know, with a gun being told, hey, go redistribute your wealth to your neighbor. They're doing it out of a cheerful heart we see in paul says in second corinthians 9 7 that you know god wants a cheerful giver like he wants us not to give it he actually says don't give from compulsion and so people would say you have a lot of well-meaning i hear christians say this too well aren't we for the government helping people the poor and all that and i'm like i get what you're saying but do you think it's okay for the government to come in and, and tell a person, you must help this person. We're going to take from you and give to this other person over here. Mm-hmm. You're violating one of the commandments, first of all. Uh, you're taking and, and you're forcing. And, and, there, and I know this is a complicated question when you start looking at how do you, how do you work this out as a Christian, like social services and things like that. You know, at some point, you know, when the government is, is taking so many taxes or taking more than, than what God would requ- would require for us to give to God, you kind of wonder, well, that, that's, that kind of makes you kind of ponder well, for a you minute. you do see, <clears throat> and correct me if I'm wrong, but you do see, I guess I hear arguments for it also, within the Old Testament laws about the people who were struggling. Uh, you would have uh, 
<clears throat> whether they were just poor or um, converts to the to the nation of Israel. Anyway, in situations where they didn't have money, God had laws in place so they could, you know, we see it in the book of Ruth where she's able to follow behind right, people glean. and take. So there's there is some aspect to hey, have have your your community your your group set up to where you are taking care of those people. Right. And maybe there should even be a, a bit of law to it of, hey, make sure you're not being greedy with your stuff. But it's, I guess what I see is you don't see a number set to it. You don't see like a, um, like God would God would have a law like that in order to start turning people's hearts that way because that's what he, that he wants. He doesn't set a number to it or, <clears throat> or percentage as far as I remember. And it is supposed to be a a matter of people's hearts. You kind of wonder how. And this is a really tough question. You got to have to really think it through, and you got to have wise people that are thinking this this whole issue through about compulsory helping people out of you know, you're being made to do it. Yeah. Now, what I mean by that is the government coming in and saying, "Okay, uh, David, you've done really well this year. This person over here." Um, they're struggling, so we're going to take from you without asking you. We're going to give it to them. There's, there's just a lot of things that you need to bake into that system and think about, okay, is that just? Justice should be something we all should agree on, that there's a just way to do things. And the and there are people that can't find jobs, and our hearts go out for them, and we don't want them to starve. We want them to be taken care of. They, they, they honestly have tried, or something has happened to them. You know, cataclysmic. I mean, it's all happened to us before. Before financial downturns happen. In any given community, there's going to be 10% of your population who cannot take care of themselves, hold a job, whether it be for, at least that's current. I don't know. that. I don't think that's a, a percentage that's existed for all, all time. But listen to a, a psychologist talk about how you've got 10% who, yeah. who like, the Army has, like, they— Jordan, Jordan they, Peterson. Yeah, he's identified—the yeah. Army identified there's a 10% of our population that we can't even have in the Army. Like right. they're not mentally capable to do this. Right. They can't earn a, a very good – they're never going to earn a high wage. And so you know that you've got at least that in your community that needs support and help. The difference is if you got people that have – you could say bad behavior or they, they, refuse, they, they can work but they refuse to work, would it be just and right for other citizens to be forced to subsidize that bad behavior? Yeah. I think that's, that's the rub too with some people when it, when it comes to this idea of – socialism and communism and those kinds of things where the government gets in control you know there is something too about the dignity of work and, and communists and, and socialists believe people should work um but this idea of you work hard and, and you've worked hard by the, the sweat of your brow and now we're going to redistribute what you did and you have no choice in this this is what's going to happen um you can go back and look at Puritan New England. They tried this system in, in Puritan New England, and it failed miserably. They tried to set up a, like a socialist-type setup, and they got away from it pretty quick because it just was not working. Um, so there are, some, there are some problems empirically with, like, true socialism. Like, there's people will point to, like, what are some of the European countries? They'll say, well, they're socialists. And they're really not. They're, they're a hybrid. Denmark. Sweden. Yeah, they're a hybrid. They've got capitalistic leanings along with socialism. But from a biblical perspective, I would just say, okay, as far as Scripture is concerned, you don't have a treatise on economics, but there's this sense of justice and, and, and fairness in the Bible. Like even in Leviticus, it talks about the law should apply evenly to everyone, mm-hmm. uh, whether you're rich or poor. You shouldn't get, you shouldn't be treated differently either way. 
if you're rich or poor, as it comes to the law. Um, but this idea of the Bible assumes you can own property. The Bible assumes you shouldn't covet what other, people's ha- other people have. If God's blessed someone, I shouldn't hate them for that. You know, that that's not biblical. The other part is, you know, you should want to give cheerfully, but that's also a balance with God does care about the poor. And so we have to work this through as a society, and it's not always the easy answer. I don't think communism and socialism is the answer. I think that's going to make it worse. Um, but like we talked about earlier, you could have rampant greed in capitalism that could be bad too, uh, where people are abused and taken advantage of. And we as Christians would not want that. But I have a hard time wrapping my mind around um, being a Christian that would support communism. That would be mm-hmm. a bridge too far because you're looking at a system based on atheism. You're looking at a system that, that's generating class struggle. I mean, this whole thing about critical theory right now, that's all com- that, that comes right out of this communist thinking, uh, critical theory, where basically everything is boiled down to something. So it could be race, it could be class, you name it. But you get this intersection, intersectionality, intersectionality, and it's all about class struggle. It's just not biblical at all. Mm-hmm. So is it fair to say that when you go back to the statement Jesus was a socialist, is it fair to say that Jesus had some characteristics of what we know as socialism? Or is that, in terms of caring for all, spreading it around, is that fair? Or Because I think the problem is we can't have this conversation without a political attachment to the word socialism. Even when you say social programs and social you're like you know so i don't think i don't think you honestly i don't think i could even say he has characteristics or had characteristics of that because it's politically tied right but but in the sense of the the idea of socialism is caring for all isn't there some of that in at least in christianity or the early church caring for all make sure everyone's taken care of yeah i would think the thing too with jesus that we have to be careful with is his prohibition about the love of money versus being rich. Um, the Bible's packed full of people that are wealthy. Some of God's, the patriarchs are wealthy people. Now, Abraham is very wealthy. And Jesus ministered to wealthy people. Um, so there, this idea of, within socialism, there is this strain, if you're paying attention to what they're saying, especially modern socialists. There is a disdain for the rich. There's a disdain for people that have and that's where a lot of that's driving this. Well, they need to redistribute. I don't think Jesus would roll with that. I think where Jesus would be concerned, I think, is what you're saying, is he, his concern for the poor, his concern for neglect of those that are on the, the bottom side of society, on the underneath of society. And we need to be heavily aware. Now, where Jesus would have something to say would be if rich people are hoarding their wealth and they don't care about the plight of their brothers and sisters that are in need, then he would have something to say about that. Um, the idea of forcefully coming in and making people, like taking their stuff and say, we're going to give this to this person. We're going to create a society based on coveting others and envying and, and developing hatred. I'm going to tell you, man, when you look at, if you go back and look at the history of Russia back, you know, world, right before World War I in that time period, or, or right after World War I, I'm sorry, after World War I and um the Cossacks, if you look at that history of what happened with that hatred for the Cossacks and what ended up happening and how that was fomented, you had a very small minority 
not very small, I'll say small minority of intellectual elites that drove that thing and caused massive bloodshed. It does not lead to a good place. Mm. And I'm, I'm, that stuff concerns me when I hear that here in our own country, you know, that kind of covetousness and envy and class struggle. It's just, and the Bible does speak in ways where you, you could say, okay, well, the Bible does care about class. It does care about how the poor are treated, but the Bible would never say coveting what they have and hating them was, is the way forward. Um, the thing is, Jesus preached to everybody the same. You know, he, he didn't care where you were on the socioeconomic spectrum. He, he spoke truth and, and loved all people. And I think we have to be the same. I think we have. I hope this is making some sense. Yeah, no, I think it does. No, what I'm saying thinking is I've never heard any, I've never heard uh, quote a rich person say we need to be a socialist economy or a socialistic nation. It's it's uh, always the poorer who are pushing for socialism, but it's because you're looking at what others have and you're wanting that, which is coveting. So you almost like I almost want to say I don't even want to have this conversation because you're already starting with you just want what somebody else has, and that's the basis of your whole argument. It's not necessarily about taking care of everybody. It's wanting it for yourself. I struggle with that too, though. I don't know if y'all do, but I do it. Sometimes I'll think like, why is this person so bad? And they get, (laughs) they're so, seems like they're doing so well. And you'll, you'll think kind of crazy when you start going down that track of, and not being thankful. And what I want people to hear me say is I think I'm also concerned about a society where we don't care about poor people at all in their plot like are there systems in place that keep people down like certain classes of people and they don't have opportunities i think we as christians should stand up and go no we should do something about that yeah well i also think just me personally maybe we're not on the same page with this but i think it's also a dangerous territory for the church to farm out all benevolence to government social programs Amen. where we become so comfortable we we're anti-social socialists yeah. But we'll send all the people to the social programs. Yep. And we don't do anything to help. We're like, oh, go here, go there. And that's that's just as dangerous as anything else. <laughs> we talk out of both sides of our mouth. Yeah. We do. Now there's some great stuff happening in cities, like there's stuff here in Dothan where there's some cooperation going on between the government and the churches where the government some of these government entities are, are maybe not maybe I shouldn't say government, maybe they're federally funded programs where they know we do certain things here at Westgate, and they'll send people to us, and, and we help them. And that's a really good – that's a good synergy, I think. That's that what I, yeah, that's got, just yeah. what I was thinking is yeah. you're looking at something healthy there when church and government are working together to help the poor. Yeah. Like that's, that's a really great image. Look, we can help the – and you're I using think, government for, like, godly purposes at that point. Right. And I think the, the government realizes that they need the church. I mean, you can go back in the history of this. If you go back to uh, – Henry VIII, Henry VIII, right? That's the one that brought the Protestant Reformation to England. It's the Henry VIII, right? Pretty sure. Anyway, so Henry VIII, um, in England up until the Protestant Reformation, the church was very benevolent. They did a pretty decent job of taking care of the poor. And when Henry VIII takes power, he confiscates a lot of the church property for his own, and he strips a lot of the monasteries bare and really hurts England. Some point to that is the place where government really becomes more involved in benevolence because he created a situation he didn't realize he was going to create by taking away the ability of the church to help the poor. Like they were doing a great job. I'm not saying we should build monasteries. Um, 
But in that time period, that, that's what the church was doing. They were building monasteries. They had things going on, and the monasteries were feeding the poor. They were taking care of people. They were practicing hospitality. And so in England, from what I understand, some of the things I've read is the church was doing a really good job. And then post-Reformation, because of what Henry VIII did, not because of Reformation teaching, but because of what Henry VIII did, it stripped the church bare where they couldn't help like they could before, and it really hurt the poor in England. And the church did a much better job helping the poor than the government. That's just one example mm-hmm. in my small. I need to make, I should have said this in the beginning, we're not economists. <laughs> right. we're, not political, we're not political theorists. This is Ascot Thursday, but we're not <laughs> economists. Um, so we're speaking as laymen here. We're just trying to apply the Bible to complicated issues. Yeah. And it's important for us to know as ministers to think about these kind of things and how we need to respond. Like, how, how do I... I don't know. I see it in Dothan, man. We just got so many... You do any work with these inner-city inner ministries, and you just see there's so many people hurting. And, um, I mean, a lot of that's brought you know, by their own choices. And some of it you can see, man, they've seem to have been kept down. Like there's not a good, a good system here to bring them up. And all right, well, where does the church need to change how she's doing things to help those people? Hmm. And then how do you, how do you address the rich? Where, uh, man, you go through the book of Luke, every story involving a rich man is negative. That's a tough one. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, there's lessons there. And again, it's not that having money is evil, but all those men kind of exemplify, rich people in the book of Luke exemplify that having all that money and hoarding up wealth uh, ultimately kills you. I think one, one way you, you have a good and virtuous society, and I'm not trying to simplify this, is the gospel. So if the gospel is permeating every strata of society, so let's say I'm, you know, I'm struggling I've made some really poor decisions in my life. Um, I've created basically poverty because a lot of po- a lot of times poverty. Not not I'm not saying every time, but there's in a lot of cases, and this goes back to that book when helping hurts. There's a spiritual in, impoverish, impoverishment. Mm-hmm. There's there's spiritual poverty that leads to physical poverty because I make bad decisions and you know. Be, let's just be honest. When you look at the statistics, like broken families drive up exponentially your chances of being you know in poverty so there's a lot of things against you so let's say the gospel comes in and heals those those situations and people obey christ and it's just a a fact when you obey christ i'm not going health and wealth here but when you obey christ things tend to work out better socially for you Mm -hmm. when you live a life like that then you have a, a community of people that are blessed with wealth and the gospel's coming into their heart and they're learning, you know what, it's not healthy to hoard all this wealth for 14 generations. You know, why do I need to have all this money back mm-hmm. for whatever reason? I'm hoarding it. I don't need this. And I can bless the community with this, with projects and benevolence. Now, and then you, you're starting to see a society that's going to be restored and, and made whole. And it's the gospel driving all of that from rich to poor. It's binding up people. And, it's, and, it's the, and that's why our, our jobs in the church is so important. Because that, to me, is the answer. It's not going to be social programs. It's not going to be, you know, research projects. It's going to be the gospel that's binding up a broken society, rich and poor. And that's where Jesus went. Like, Jesus was called out the rich that hoarded wealth for sure. 
but it was, the gospel hit everybody, rich, poor, you know. Mm-hmm. No one was immune. We're all sinners. Yeah, affects the whole person. Yep. Finances, your, your emotional and mental states and physicality, and that's what makes it redemptive. And I can't forget that he calls me and everybody. When I was sick, you visited where you cared for me. When I was in yeah. prison, you visited me. When I was naked, you clothed me. Like I, I can't just let everybody else take care of that and not worry about it. I tell you, man, the downtown, like you said a while ago, just the things here in Dothan. Like I've really been struggling the last couple of months. If I need to do something, yeah. no matter what, what is it is, that? where is that? Yeah. Getting involved in, in something, um, just to I don't know, help somebody or to do outside um, of like church stuff. Like yeah, yeah. Getting my family involved in something. Yeah. Yeah, we're and if that's even anything different, <laughs> you know. Well, um, good. We, I'm glad we cleared that all up. Uh, Solved it. Yeah, nailed it. We should go national with this and viral and send it to send it to Joe Biden. Yep. And all problems will be solved. <laughs> I'm sure he'll appreciate that. <laughs> he can be his counsel. <laughs> yes, he would. We could be his advisors. Yeah. I don't think that would go well for us. Oh, it's past. I got it. Any of us. You can't see Devin flexing right now, but. <laughs> well, he's, he's showing us. Second Amendment rights right there. <laughs> Devin. I'm allowed to have these guns. Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm glad we can end on that note. Actually, we need to end on the note we always end on. We pray that you're looking for ways to love and serve your neighbors in genuine and sincere ways. Peace and love.